This is Hannah Rose and welcome to the Inspire Within podcast. Hi everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of Inspire Within. My name is Hannah Rose and I am your show host. I am so excited to introduce to you today's guest, Ali Webb. Ali is an incredible investor, founder, and entrepreneur. She is the founder of Drybar and the co-founder of Beckett and Quill, Squeeze, and OK Humans. Ali is also currently the president of Canopy, an amazing humidifier company, and I am so excited to talk to you more about this today. Ali, thank you so much for being here. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, and congrats on your new podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah. So excited that you're one of the first guests on the show. So what I normally like to do with my guests, just bringing them on, I would love to talk to you a little bit more about your upbringing. Where did you grow up? What was your family life like? All of that. If you can kind of give us a high level, that would be great. Yeah. I grew up in South Florida. I was born in New York, um, but mainly spent most of my childhood in South Florida where it was very humid. And as a girl with curly hair that didn't go so well. Um, and yeah, I mean, I had like a pretty, you know, run of the mill, great, like wholesome upbringing in South Florida. Um, my parents were entrepreneurs and had their own business. So I kind of grew up in that entrepreneurial world of watching my parents, you know, run their own businesses with all the ups and downs that that comes with. Um, and I have an older brother, my brother, Michael, who's been, was my business partner in drive bar and, um, my best friend. And so, you know, I had, I had a really great, um, childhood, definitely, uh, a different version of myself, I would say then, than I am now, you know, my, probably because my brother was always in trouble as a kid. And I was kind of an easy going little sister, kind of wall, even wallflower, which it sounds crazy to say, cause I'm so opposite of that now. Um, but you know, very lost as, as far as like after high school and trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And, you know, when my friends were all going to college, you know, I didn't really want to go to college. I didn't know what I wanted to study. I didn't know what I wanted to be. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, so, you know, you know, that's kind of how my journey began of like trying to figure out what, you know, what I would do and what I loved and what I was excited about. Obviously, I ultimately really found hair, which was kind of a through line, really my whole childhood. I used to beg my mom to blow up my hair and, um, you know, just always like longed for this like luxurious, like, you know, bouncy straight hair that I didn't know how to achieve. Um, so, you know, that would later turn into me going to beauty school and yada, yada. But that's, that's kind of my, my childhood in a nutshell. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. And were your parents your first role models and mentors within the entrepreneurship space? Or did you have other people you looked up to? Yeah, I mean, definitely my parents. I, you know, when I was growing up, and I'm probably quite a bit older than you, um, <laughs> you know, there wasn't there wasn't this the way entrepreneurs are now. And there's just so many people starting their businesses and they're so attainable and you know them and you read about them and you hear, you know, it's such a different world. I mean, when I was growing up, you didn't know who started any companies, you know, I mean, and at least I didn't, you know, I, I think my first, I think the first like person I knew of who started a company 
was like Donna Karen, you know, because like Donna Karen was a brand and she was also the founder, the woman, but even the word founder didn't get thrown around a lot. So it was a very different time. And, um, and so, but I did, you know, my parents had like a very mom and pop, like family style business. And so did their parents, um, very small in, you know, in scope, but they were definitely my first, you know, foray into like entrepreneurship and, you know, and, and I do think it's in my blood, but it did take me a long time to even like consider it. I didn't, I had, even as like, you know, a 20 something year old, I didn't have any like desire to have my own business or to do my own thing. I, I liked working for people. And it was really my brother who, you know, from the time he was like 12, you know, he was like selling t-shirts at like the, the fair. And he was like, you know, he had that entrepreneurial spirit very young where he was figuring out ways to like make money. Like I, I didn't really care about making money. I didn't think about making money. And so we were very different in that way. And it's interesting now because my, I have two kids who are 15 and 17 and they are my 17 year old, not my 15 year old, but my 17 year old is very entrepreneurial. Like he's started businesses and he figures out ways to make money. I mean, so it's, it's really interesting to see how you know, some of us get it and some of us don't. And for me, it would, you know, eventually come later. Now I can't imagine a world where I work for anybody else, you know, but yeah. back then, you know, I was, I liked it and I was kind of still figuring it out. So yeah. Going to beauty school. And then I know from your story, you were on Shark Tank and I remember listening to your story and you said that um, you found such a gap in the market for, you know, just getting a blowout. And if you could speak a little bit more on that too, I mean, you were going to your mommy friends and blow drying their hair. How was that? And how did you realize like, okay, this can be a business starting dry bar eventually? Um, you know, I did that for many years and, and then, you know, and ended up in Los Angeles with my now ex-husband and we had two kids and I was a stay-at-home mom. And I, you know, I just kind of got the itch to start doing something for myself. And, you know, up until that point, I hadn't really, I did have a dog walking business when I lived in San Francisco briefly before <laughs> I had kids. Um, but, you know, I'd never really done anything all that entrepreneurial. And um, when I was living in LA, my, after my boys were born, they were about, I don't know, two and four, I just kind of got like, you know, I, I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom so bad. And then after doing that for, you know, four years, I was kind of like, I think I need to do something for myself again. And I started to get like antsy and itchy to like do something for myself. And it seemed like a really easy jump to go back into hair and to do what I really loved about doing hair, which was blow drying hair and styling it um, to do that on like a small scale. And like, you know, my, my network at that time were other moms. And so I was like, marketing to moms because that's all I really knew in LA because I had just, you know, moved to LA when my first son was born. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think what I, what I noticed, you know, which was a lot of like personal necessity too, was that there really wasn't a place for women to go for a great blowout in a nice setting and an affordable price. And it mm -hmm. was interesting to me as somebody who's, who liked, even though I could do my own hair pretty well at this stage in my life, I, I liked going places, but like, I did not want to pay 150 bucks for a blowout. And that's yeah. really what it is in LA and most salons, you know, somewhere in that range. So, you know, I, I, you know, I knew that I knew that that was like a thing that was annoying, but you know, it just was like, just, just like many women and many women I spoke to over the years, like we just didn't do it. So it was like, okay, we're just not going to get a blood or we're going to go to like the fantastic Sam's or the John Louis Divi, depending <laughs> on what part of the country you live in and get, mm -hmm. you know, get like an okay blowout, 
at a weird price with a you know variable pricing and just like yeah. sucks. The, the decor was bad, but I'm coming <laughs> ahead because before that even happened, you know, I did as a way to get out of the house and do something that I knew. I started the mobile business and mm-hmm. and I I was only charging forty dollars for that, and that was really an interesting learning for me that I didn't plan. I just again, it, it really wasn't about money. I was more just wanting to get out of the house and do something for myself. So. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, I know people will definitely call me if I only charge $40 in LA to go do a blowout. And then once I started doing that and they realized like I was actually pretty good at hair, they were calling me again and they loved me and they were telling all their friends. And so this little business of mine, which is called straight at home, you know, grew very quickly. And I kind of came to a crossroads of like, do I, you know, keep trying to do this and hire other stylists to help me with all demand? Or do I open a brick and mortar, which is, you know, when I went to my brother and said, Hey, I think we should open a brick and mortar, which is really kind of a spinoff of my, my mobile business. And again, for all the reasons I mentioned, like there just, there was, it didn't exist. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think my best, my best advice to entrepreneurs today is, you know, there are so many things out there that exists that you can make better. You don't have to like invent the iPhone to be successful. You know, I mean, there are, and I'm sure if you were to look around right now about all all the things that you like to do that could be better, you know? And Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it's like a fucking curse for me because like I, (laughs) I walk into every place and I'm like, like like, the branding's bad. The customer service bad. The booking is bad. Like, what it's like, you know, it really, it's like, <laughs> you're like wanting to create a new business for everything. Everywhere you walk yeah, into, I, mean, yeah. I want to like go in and say, listen, if you just did these four, four things, <laughs> your business would be so much better. So, you know, I mean, so that's the thing is like, there are so many things out there. And, and I think there's this like notion that you have to find the white space. Like I didn't really find a white space necessarily. I mean, blowouts, existed long before dry bar. There just wasn't a place to get a great blowout at an affordable price in a cool Mm -hmm. place that didn't exist. So I took something that's been around forever and Mm -hmm. just, you know, wrapped a really great experience around it, which, you know, isn't, isn't that hard to do. Um, if, as long as you have like the right people and the right experience, you know, to execute it. Yeah. And were you ever scared to open a brick and mortar or did, did you feel like you're very confident in your brother that he could help you with all those steps to get there? I mean, I, I mean, I, I guess it was like, a, a, um, I don't think scared is a word I would use. I was like, you know, carefully or cautiously optimistic. And, you know, mm-hmm. what was great about my brother and, you know, I'm, I'm such a huge proponent of like hire or find or partner or whatever with people who know things that you don't. And the beauty of my brother and I working together was that my brother was really more the business side of things. Like he put spreadsheets together and he was the one dealing with like the landlord and, you know, kind of like the back of house stuff that I wasn't good at, frankly, and didn't like to do. So, you know, Mm -hmm. we were lucky in the fact that we were able to, you know, compliment each other. So well, I knew how to run a hair salon because I'd worked in hair salons forever. I knew customer service incredibly well. So does Michael because of our parents, you know, and there were, you know, I knew this business backwards and forward and Michael really didn't, but Michael Mm -hmm. had all this other stuff that really, that I needed. So, you know, the combination of it, you know, was really worked. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, now it's, it's funny. I mean, it's 12 years ago now, but you know, when we were opening that first store in Brentwood, it was also in the middle of a recession. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we used to go to Brentwood gardens and watch construction. And it was like, nobody was there, you know? And my brother was like, 
Like, how is this, how is this business going to work? There's no women here. And I was like, you know, I had a very strong conviction. I think a lot of it came from the fact that I had, I'd had this mobile business that was really successful and busy, but like successful, like I was maybe doing like four or five women, you know, a couple of days a week, like we're not talking mm-hmm. about volume, but I, but I would tell them all about it. And I would tell all my friends and everybody loved this idea. So I felt like surely this is going to work for one store in the middle of Los Angeles. Like it will work. You know, yeah. I didn't know, but I had a very strong gut feeling, but also in, in terms of like your question about being scared, like what was the worst that was going to happen? I mean, people would lose money and that really sucks, you know, but mm-hmm. mainly it was my brother's money. He put up, you know, that was the first time I learned, you know, the concept of sweat equity and he put up all the money and I owned 50%, he owned 50% and I was mm-hmm. like the in-store operator, which, which I was. And um, so, you know, I, I didn't want to lose that money of my brothers and I, I wanted this to work, but I also felt like, you know, I think people get so bogged down in that fear and that like, what if this doesn't work? And what if I don't have all the answers? And what if I don't know what to do? And what if I don't know how to run a business? Like I didn't, you know, I, I didn't know how to do any of that. I didn't know how to do any of that stuff, really. You know, mm-hmm. I had some experience, um, you know, enough to be dangerous. But so, you know, I think you can't, as I think as an entrepreneur and, and what I've learned from watching so many other entrepreneurs now is that you just have to put it all out there and, and, see if it works. And, and frankly, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't, you know, and sometimes it, it should have worked, but it didn't, you know, and mm-hmm. technically dry bar, you know, like I said, was started in the middle of a recession and everybody was like, I remember women and people walking by when we were under construction saying, you know, every business that's been in this location has failed. And I was like, <sighs> you know, and I was like, but even in the back of my mind, I was like, we're not going to fail. Like it's, gonna, yeah. you know, I didn't think it was going to work to the scale that it worked. I mean, we were hoping to do 30 to 40 blowouts a day at mm-hmm. first location. And we were doing upwards of like 70 to 80 within the first couple of weeks. And I was like, wow, holy shit. And, you know, all of us, I mean, we were so, so unprepared and, um, and it was total chaos, but it was awesome. Yeah. So you were really hands-on at the beginning and then you realized like, okay, this is getting really heavy with all the people coming in. So many blowouts going on. I need to look at this more of a high level, hire people, eventually franchise this too. Well, but that, that would take years. I mean, I was in the mm-hmm. for a very long time. I mean, we did mm-hmm. eventually start to hire, um, you know, more and more people, which became really important. Um, people who had experience growing and scaling a business the experience that Michael and I didn't have. Um, but, you know, I, I would say, and, and we did, we kind of like, you know, we kind of franchised and then we did, and then we didn't want to franchise and then we did. And we were, we were really like teetering on the franchise model, which I can say now in retrospect and with all the experience I have that I think, you know, franchising is often a really great way to go. But in the beginning, I didn't want to franchise because I didn't want to give up. I was, I was nervous that people were going to mess up this beautiful brand that we made. Um, you know, we, we had created this amazing brand and, and I wanted to keep it very much intact. So I felt very like, you know, strongly and had a very tight grip on it. And really I had a tight grip on everything for years and it would be a really, you know, tough lesson for me to bring in other people and have those other people help grow the business. But yeah, I mean, eventually we ended up bringing in a huge, you know, team of people. And I would say that I didn't really start to, you know, step away from the business at all until like maybe year seven or eight, you know, so it was like pretty, you know, full core press for a very long time. 
Yeah, it's hard to let go when it's your baby and it's something that you've created from scratch. Going back to what you said too about having so much grit and knowing that this is going to work out. Do you recommend to people that want to start a business, like people that look up to you and are really excited about starting something, but they're really afraid to, or they just, you know, don't have a ton of self-confidence in themselves and in their business. Would you say just rip the bandage off and see what happens? Or are there things that they should definitely have in line first before they get to that? You know, I mean, it's definitely a case by case basis. Um, but I would say that, you know, there is, there is like a level of like conviction and confidence that you have to have and like an incredible work ethic and knowing that like this, this thing is like, you're going to put your blood, sweat and tears into it. And, um, and if you, if you get, I mean, if you get to the point where you're, you're in it, you know, you've, you've kind of already ripped the bandaid. I think that a lot of what a lot of people struggle with is like, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm afraid this isn't going to work. I don't want to put my a whole like heart and soul and money into this. Um, in which case like they shouldn't do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and, and it's all a gamble and it's, <laughs> I mean, listen, everything's a gamble, but you know, obviously a job is a much safer path because you know exactly what you're getting paid, you know, you know, all of that it is, you know, it's all like up for grabs when you're an entrepreneur. And so I think you have to have the threshold, um, and like the, that like thing, that kind of intangible thing that gives you the confidence to do it. And like, and know that, like, like I said, I mean, I, I always came back to the, like, no, one's going to die. We might lose some money and mm-hmm. that really sucked. But I have, you know, I also like at the time my husband was, you know, had a job in advertising and he made good money. So I was like, I have that to fall back on, you know, whether yeah. you have that or you can move in with your parents for a year, which like, like I'm sure nobody wants to do that. You know, you can do that so you can save money so you can get yourself into, you know, a place where you're, you can start this business and you're not like waiting on a paycheck every week, you know, who knows, or you're an entrepreneur, probably similar to you, where it's like, you have a job, but you're doing this other thing on the side and you're building it. There, there's so many ways to, to approach it and figuring out where you're most comfortable, you know, I think is, is kind of the key. Yeah, absolutely. And if somebody doesn't know what they want to do and like going to more pivoting towards more like young professionals too, people that, you know, are going into college or just graduated college, would you say like grab something secure, like that nine to five job? Or do you think just really take some time to reflect, figure it out? If you want to go more of an entrepreneurial way, do that. What's your biggest piece of advice around that? I mean, I think that you know, for me, and I think it's, it's really important to like really pay attention to what like lights you up. What are you, what do you get excited about? And the thing is, everybody has it. Everybody has that thing that they're like, Oh, I wish I could do that. I mean, for me, it would be like singing, which is never going to happen. But you know, for, I mean, for me, it was really hair, you know, it's like hair was really my passion. And and I kind of kept coming back to that. And it's like, what, what do I want to do? That's, has to do with that, you know? So I, I feel like, especially as like, like you're saying as like a young person and you know, the path that I kind of went down was like, I tried all sorts of shit when I was a kid, when I was, a mm-hmm. kid. you know, I took, I, I did so many different jobs and I, and it's kind of like the advice I give my, my, my son who's 17, mm-hmm. like, you know, cause when he, when he's talked about starting his own business and the thing he wants to do, I'm like, you can try to do that at, you know, the ripe age of 19, if you want, which I don't think there's anything wrong with it. However, I think going out and getting 
life experience, like go get a job. You know, for me, it was like, I thought I wanted to work in fashion. So I ended up working in fashion a lot. You know, I thought maybe I'd want to work in PR. So I went and got a job in PR and, you know, I jumped around trying to find the thing that made me excited to think. And and I very quickly moved on, which was of course, like there was some judgment in my like family around that, like, Oh, you have another new job, you know? And I, I think there's like a negative connotation around that, which I don't agree with. You know, I think mm-hmm. that take as many, jo- when you're in your twenties is like the only time we, you ever really have in your life where it's like, you can live really cheap. You don't have a family to take care of. Like you don't have much responsibility. Like it's the time to go explore other things. Like for me too, mm-hmm. I wanted to live in New York city so bad. So I moved you know, from Boca Raton, Florida to, to New York city. And I, <laughs> I mean, I lived in like the smallest apartment you can imagine it, beca- I, but I didn't care. It was never there. And I wanted to be out and exploring and figuring out who I was and figuring out what I love to do. And, you know, for me, it's like, that's the best advice. And and that's not necessarily the path for everybody. And I know a lot of people go to college and they're, you know, and, and I think that applies my, the same advice applies. Like, take the classes on the things that you're like, you kind of are interested or the thing that you're interested in, but don't really want anybody to know about or whatever that is. You know, I think that that following paying really close attention to what it is that you really love, you Mm -hmm. know, might not be the thing that makes your parents happy or, you know, that you think people are going to like, not like, like, you know, let that go and go follow that thing, whether it means like getting jobs in that area and realizing, you know what, I don't really like this, or I love this. And I want to keep going down this path. You know, I'm, I'm a really big believer in like all of those moves that I did when I was young, ultimately led me to, you know, dry bar and to what I ended up doing. And I, Mm -hmm. I, I think about all of the different jobs that I had from like working in PR and learning how to like be a professional and compose emails and write press releases. And like, this is like irrelevant. I don't, it doesn't matter. I don't need it. But now in retrospect, I realized like I did, like I learned, I needed that skill to, to be at the helm of dry bar. You know, I worked yeah. in hair salons as an assistant, but I learned the business and the culture. So that would serve me really well eventually, you know, so all of the things that we do, you know, are, none of them are waste worth are, are a waste of time. They're all kind of building towards what, you know, what you will eventually do. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. That's such great advice. Thank you. It really, you know, I can take that too and feel so good about where I'm at and that I don't need to figure it all out right now because after college, it feels like I have a job. I should be doing this for the rest of my life for the next 40 years, but that's really not the case. You know, they can make changes, job hop a little bit or change a location and still feel confident that they're going to, you know, end up doing something really great. Yeah. I mean, I, I will, at least the advice that I'll give my children is to do that. Like go, you know, go backpack around Europe, move to New York, like move wherever, like whatever, whatever you want to do, go and do, you know I mean? Yeah. It's really interesting as my kids are growing up and my, my younger son loves to play the guitar and he, he wanted to get a clarinet, you know? And I was like, really? And you kind of, I kind of just want to say, I was like, okay, you know, like, great, go, go do it. You know? And my parents are very much like that too. Like I wanted to be a professional tennis player when I was a kid. And, you know, I wanted to do all these crazy things and my parents were always very supportive of it. And I'm so grateful for that. I really think that is part of what like made me who I am. And your kids, I mean, if you were my mom, I would think you're like the coolest mom ever. I don't know if they think that too, but I would be so lucky. I mean, that's so awesome. They probably look up to you so much. 
They, I mean, it is, I do have a really great relationship with my kids. I mean, they, uh, you know, whenever I tell my kids, like, I'm proud of them, their response is always, I'm proud of you too, mom. It's really, Aww, yeah, that's I, so I, sweet. They, they, I do have a, a really great relationship with my boys. Like it's, it's great. I mean, I think it's also boys. I don't know. Cause I don't have girls, but my boys, mm-hmm. like, it's like, it's a love affair with boys. <laughs> <laughs> that's so special. Yeah. So yeah, I want to pivot over to canopy a bit. I know that you're the president there. It's kind of a new venture for you. And it's a humidifier and diffuser company. I have a canopy. I absolutely love it. So I'm super excited to learn more about the product. Um, but if you could tell me a little bit, you know, how that opportunity came about and then, you know, why you said yes and how your journey has been so far, that would be really great. Yeah. I mean, it was an interesting, <laughs> it was interesting to get involved in canopy. And I, you know, as things kind of started to change for me with dry bar and I was and I went through a divorce and like my whole life kind of like completely shifted around and fell apart. Um, you know, I was in this like rebuilding. I am in this rebuilding, you know, phase where I'm not, you know, my identity has always been so largely tied to dry bar for the last 10 years, which I'm so grateful for. And that's amazing. But it was like, okay, what's next? What, what, what do I want to do back to the same advice I was just giving? It's like, what am I excited about now? What lights me up now? And so mm-hmm. I've, you know, I'm a little bit on that journey again at 47 years old, you know, trying, which I think that doesn't ever, now I now know that I don't think that ever stops. Like you were saying, you don't know, need to have it figured out after college. Like, I'm not sure we ever completely figure it out, you know, <laughs> it's like, do something for a while. And then we're like, you know, and dry bar was like a 12 year thing, but you know, now I'm in this very different place. I'm a very different person. And anyways, long story short, I was, you know, kind of exploring a lot of other things. I've invested in a lot of companies. I've joined some boards, like I'm writing my second book. So I have a lot of things going on. Um, we started squeeze, which is this massage concept. That's really taking off. Um, okay. Humans is, is really getting off the ground now. And I, I started, I kind of joined forces with a girlfriend of mine to do Beckett and Quill. So it's, it's exploration kind of time for me again, where I'm doing all mm-hmm. the other things to see what, what I'm really like excited about. I really, really love jewelry. And so, you know, that's just been really like a fun passion project. Mm-hmm. Um, and the canopy thing came about because I was looking also into starting a hair product line again. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I so dry bar, it was pretty successful. Like what else can I do in this space? And just kind of like playing around with that idea. I got connected to the CEO of canopy. Um, and long story short, you know, he, had, he was telling me about canopy and what they're doing. And I had never heard of the company and I, you know, I only had humidifiers around my house when my kids were sick or someone was sick or dry and whatever. And so I was like, mm-hmm. why are you telling me about a humidifier? I thought it was like, just so out of left field that like, why is he even mentioning this to me? Like I'm a beauty girl like this, you know? And he was like, well, you know, it turns out one of the founders girlfriend, you know, was, was using a humidifier religiously every single day it was going 24 seven. And the reason that she was using it was because it was like the ultimate beauty hack because it really hydrates your skin. And she knew that if her skin was hydrated, it looked better. You know, this is, we all know this. If like dehydrated skin is cracked, it's cracky wrinkles show all mm-hmm. the shit. So hydrated skin is the opposite. Your, your makeup adheres better. Your skin looks brighter and more vibrant. And so I did not know this. Like I, I wasn't aware of I mean, I guess if I had thought about it, sure, I knew that. But um, and then, you know, as we're having this conversation, I'm Googling canopy and I'm like, oh, these are really cute, you know, and what we know 
most people as of humidifiers is that they're blue and medical mm-hmm. look and ugly and like mm-hmm. they get moldy and you know and and I every humidifier I had had I've thrown away which is usually mm-hmm. what most people tell you and so what we what canopy so brilliantly did was like kind of reimagine the humidifier and you know because you have one there's really no cleaning to it all you do is replace the filter mm-hmm. every six weeks yeah. and I was like this is genius, you know, and as like, you know, a woman who's aging and like cares about wrinkles and my skin, how my skin looks, I was like, I'm going to try this. So that, you know, they sent me some canopies and I set them up in my room and I so quickly started to see a difference in my skin and my hair, because, you know, it's like also affects your scalp and your hair. And, you know, I learned that the optimal humidity level is, you know, 40 to 60%, which of course, when he first told me that, I was like, I don't want that much humidity in my room, like really <laughs> hurt, you know, but, it, but it's, it's such small, like water, you know, it's not even a great way to describe it. You know, it's evaporative moisture. So mm-hmm. most, most humidifiers have that, like a smoky chimney of water that comes up and then pools around the humidifier and the, you know, ruins your stuff. And this, this one is because of the evaporative moisture, you don't even, you know, you don't even see yeah. the water. Yeah. Um, that's great. It's, it's hydrating your space. And so you know, I was just fascinated by all of it. And, you know, the, the fact that they, they'd had a really strong first year, like unbelievable sales. I was like, wow, you know, and they really were doing exactly what I talked about before. They took this thing that's been around for a hundred years and made it a much better experience. Like it looks cute in your house. It works better. You know, there's, you probably know this, it has like this LED light in it. So it's anti-mold. It's never going to get moldy. You're never going to have to throw it out, you know? Mm -hmm. And you have, as a result, really like hydrated skin, not to mention the wellness benefits of it. And like, you know, your name, I mean, my nasal passages like are never dry anymore. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And so I was like, this is pretty fascinating. And really why they weren't like looking for me, but we just hit it off so much. And they were like, listen, we're really trying to like break into the beauty space here because this is like the ultimate beauty hack. And I was like, I agree, (laughs) you know? So with my experience in beauty and all my kind of connections and all like that I'd done in the last 10 years with building dry bar into Sephora and Ulta and Nordstrom and Mm -hmm. QVC and, and all, you know, and eventually international, it was like, yeah, I think I could really help, you know, you know, build, bridge that gap from just what we know about humidifiers to be, you know, more wellness. And then you get them when you have a baby or you get them when you're sick to like, no, you should just, everybody should have a humidifier next to their bed when they sleep because they'll sleep better. Their skin will look better, you know? So in a nutshell, that's kind of why I decided to join. Cause I just felt like there's a real opportunity to bring this to women. And that's kind of always been my mission is like making women look and feel better. And this is, this certainly checks that box. Yeah. Well, congratulations on this new venture. That's so exciting. And I love mine. I already feel like my skin is glowy and beautiful. Like I feel so good about it. I mean, you can't believe how many people will tell me that I actually forgot. I've been meaning to tell the guys that somebody told me I met a girl a couple weeks ago and she, she would randomly get bloody noses like her whole life. And, uh, and she's like, I know I'm so dry. I saw yesterday and she said, I haven't gotten a bloody nose. And like, three weeks or however long it had been. Wow. There you go. So many, so many different benefits of it. It's good for your your scalp, which is then good for your hair. It's good for your skin. It's great for everything. I also like how like you can set it on different settings and there's the fan to it too, like that noise. And that's like a little bit of white noise for me when I go to bed too. So 
kind of all tied in one. I absolutely love it. I'm so happy to hear that. And the aromas, yeah. you know, you can put on that mm-hmm. plug that make it smell good. And the diffuser that makes I mean, my whole house smells. People walk in my house and like, why does it smell so good in here? I'm like, I know, I know. So, yeah. So where do you see Canopy going in the next couple of years? If you can share. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're in major like strategy phase right now, you know, figuring out what the next, you know, mapping out what the next couple of years look like. We're in Sephora on Sephora online right now and very heavy and direct to consumer, but we are, you know, starting to look at other big box retailers and, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the mission is kind of to get as many homes as we can to be like canopy homes. So, yeah, so we'll see. Absolutely. You know, it's a really exciting business that I'm, I'm super excited to be a part of. Yeah. That's so exciting. And then just my last question for you too, before we wrap up, where do you see yourself going professionally in the next few years? I know you've had so much success so far. So I, I feel like you've, you know, hit the peak, but there's always so much more to go and so much more to do. So, um, do you have any goals or plans for the next few years? I mean, you know, I'm, I've never been much of a planner or thinking ahead person. (laughs) Um, and I, I think I'm still kind of in that phase of like, you know, I'm the, the canopy, you know, trajectory is really exciting. And I'm, like I mentioned, I'm writing my second book right now. So I'll have a book tour early next year. Um, and that who knows what will come of that. You know, I'm kind of just, you know, I'm putting a lot out there. I, my, my husband, Adrian and I are doing some work together. So I have so many coals in the fire right now and so many different things going and, and it'll mm-hmm. really don't know what's going to land, what's going to line up and feel right. Um, I'm, I'm definitely in that exploration phase again of like throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall and seeing where, you know, what sticks and what, what is the most exciting and interesting to me. So it's a fun, yeah. fun. I mean, I, it, it's definitely makes me feel kind of young again to be like, you know, I mean, I'm in a much better <laughs> position you know, in a lot of ways than I was back then, um, to yeah. figure it all out. So it's, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. That's so exciting. Well, congrats. Congrats on your new book. Yeah. That's going to be coming out sometime yeah. soon, hopefully as well. And Cheers. thank you so much for being here today. I've learned a ton and I'm really appreciative for your time. So thanks, Allie. My pleasure. Thank you. Good luck with the podcast. Thank you. Yeah.